Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. We're joined today by a man who played over 163 games for the Latics, even bagging 11 goals from his position of centre-back. He played at Manchester United, Scunthorpe, Tranmere, Portadown and Glentoran, including Swansea on loan. He's played internationally for Northern Ireland. If you haven't guessed it by now, it is the one, the only, Pat McGibbon. Pat, how are we doing? Yeah, good, Simon. All, all good here. Yeah. Excellent. Right then, we should, we should delve straight into um, your playing career. We're going to obviously talk to you about your playing career, then the work that you're doing now outside of football. Uh, but let's uh, let's go back to where it all began because you you know you started your career at um, obviously Portadown, but then you were scooped up, weren't you, by Manchester United? How did that all go? Um, was it something that was always coming, or was it a shock? You know, it was always something that I was working towards. I mean, I, I just loved loved sport generally from a from a very young age. So, whether it was cross country running, whether it was basketball, whether it was Gaelic football, which is played over here, whether it was was soccer, which which I first played, I think it was eleven years of age when I first played soccer. So, um, I, I always loved sport, and then locally played for four or five years just with the team Largan United, and then went to Portadown. So, I was always. I was always quite strong in sports. I was always, you know, if I wasn't captain, then I was maybe vice captain. So I was always, you know, quite strong and, and had an ability for sport, uh, but also loved it. And I, I think that's why I pursued it, especially, you know, as a, as a career then. So went to Portadown at 15. I always, always tell the story because I think it's important, especially to the kids. Um, at 16 years of age, I was... I couldn't get into Portdown's youth team, but yet there were five or six of my mates that were, were actually getting into the team and they were a year below me because at that stage they were playing international for Northern Ireland school boys. I wasn't around that. I was, I, I was good, but I, I hadn't physically developed. So it was only at 18 that I really pushed on physically and I grew from about five foot six to, to six foot two in the space of a couple of years. And, all of a sudden, you know, that's where it took off at about 18. And, and Captain Portadown youth team to the, the, the Northern Ireland Youth Cup um, went over. Uh, I was due to come over on trial to Port Vale. And then it fell through and then went over for a week to um, Old Trafford there. So played one game, Simon, against Aston Villa in the reserves. I thought it was, like, I was 18, so I thought I was only going to go over and play in the youth team. But the gaffer threw me straight into the reserve team game and I was marking David Atkinson and um, Dwight York in that game, so it was a baptism of fire. Absolutely. But I must have done well. Yeah, I must have done well enough to to be uh, to be invited back. Went back for three weeks in that summer, and then after the three week trial, then um, they offered me a three year contract. So that's where it all you know it was quite a, quite a whirlwind. But that final year, there was a lot of physical development, and I suppose. With that, I grew in confidence. Yeah. I was playing for, I was actually captain, a captain of Northern Ireland schoolboys at under 18 that year as well. So there was a lot that went on, and, and, and that's where it really took off then. What was it like meeting um, Sir Alex Ferguson? You know, probably the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest managers that have has been. What was it like working with him, uh, first and foremost? 
Yeah, I mean, it's initially, um, you know, you, 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 when you walk into the, the cliff and, and you first there, and even even when I went on my first trial, you know, you're sitting down and all of a sudden you see the likes of Alex Ferguson, you see Brian Robson, who was England captain, you know, people that you only ever... I only ever seen them in shoot magazine and match and watch yeah. you know when I watch football focus. Um, so all of a sudden you have, have people like that that are going on and it's it's so it's surreal that way. But very quickly you realise that, you know, they're people and you know, if you want to make a career for yourself, you have to respect them, but you can't fear them. So I was always pretty much like that, especially in terms of the, the career career if you wanted to develop your career then you had to just go in and, and do the job so initially yes the, you know you're looking at them and, and all but you very quickly get over that and you have to get over that otherwise <laughs> otherwise you know you'll be probably sent back packing fairly soon yeah and you you were playing with obviously um, a crop of players who were known as the uh, the class of 92 you know coming through that at that time What's it? What was it like learning and playing alongside um, the likes of Beckham, the Neville brothers, Nicky Butts, um, Roy Keane? You know, he, he was a. I read an article that I think you did for was it Planet Football. You were speaking about uh-huh. uh, Roy Keane. I don't know if you want to to go into a bit of detail on that. What he was like. Yeah. Look. I mean. Well. Look. All. All of, all of that group. I was. I, um, I went over, I, I was a year older than, than that group, so I went over as a first year pro, but in my first year and my second year in particular, um, I would have played a lot with the A team, reserve team, so you had those lads, you had Scozzi, you had Bax, you had the two Navels, you had, uh, well, Keith Gillespie was within that group, Robbie Savage, you know, players that maybe didn't even make it at United, but it's such a strong group within that. So it was a privilege to be, to be honest, playing for those couple of years within that group. You know, I remember not long after I went over, we played an 18 game at Malwood uh, against Liverpool. And at that stage, Liverpool had a strong team. But when I look back now at the team that we had, I, you know, I think Kevin Pulkin maybe was in goal. Uh, certainly the, Na- the Neville brothers were playing, Scolzi was playing, Nicky Buck was playing. Robbie Savage was playing. I think Keith was playing. Ben Thornley was playing. Um, so Bax was playing. Um, not you, bad you side, really, is it? <laughs> it's not a bad side. And we beat, we beat Liverpool 2-0 that, that day. And, and Robbie Fowler was playing. Um, and we beat them 2-0. And, and I never thought of it at the time because it was just another game. But looking back at it now, I mean, that that's... That's an international team, <laughs> so that we were playing. So uh, you know that we had we had fielded there. So um, and 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 it was games like that that you realised just how you know how privileged you were, and also the the amount of ability that was about. You know, you just you just used to give the ball to Paul Scholes, and something happened. You know, Scholes yeah. is the best player I've ever played with, and and it just it was just something else. It was, and you know, obviously we got promoted to the Premier League and watching him live, he was, you know, something else. But thankfully, we didn't have to face too many games against him before he went into retirement. One player you did mention there was Keith Gillespie, who obviously spent um, a couple of spells at, at Wigan. Was he, did he have anything to say to you before you went out on loan to Wigan? Was he, because obviously he'd already been out to us in the early 90s. Did he have anything, any input in your move towards the, uh, towards Wigan? Not really. I mean, I, I would. Uh, I was in digs with Keith, so I know Keith well. Um, but you know, 
Keith had moved on to, to Newcastle and then, you know, so when, I think it was maybe the second year that I was over, uh, Keith moved there to Newcastle and Andy Cole moved the opposite way. So whilst we're friendly, and even now we're, we're, we're friendly, we, we, we pass um, or we cross paths at times, um, he didn't really have an input in that. It was, it was mainly the gaffer at the time I had. I got badly injured in my final season at, at, at United at the time. I uh, went out on loan to Swansea, as you said, Simon. I uh, played one game and then came back to United to, to, to train. And it was whilst training in, in, and then I went in for a tackle with Ronnie Walwork. All of a sudden, damaged my knee badly. Also, a, a double hernia operation that same year. So, um, so the gaffer, once had played a reserve game for United in, you know, the early, I think it was early '97. Then, that, that then I spoke to the gaffer and he says, "Look, you know, it's worth you going out and getting some experience." So there was more of the gaffer's input than than Keith's in terms of, of going to Wigan. And you know, you speak about you speak about '97, obviously after your your one game at Swansea. Um, you you come to Wigan. Did it did it feel right for you when you when you come into Wigan? Um, under you know, cause was it John Dean who brought you in? It was John Dean, yeah, it was John that brought me in. So um, it took a couple of games to acclimatise because, you know, the reserve team football, you're, you're playing with, with great players, especially at United. You're going there and, you know, you've Mike Phelan, Dion Dublin playing every week. You know, you've players that, that would get into any other first team. Um, but you don't have that competitive edge. So I think, you know, that was, that was needed. The first couple of games, it took a, a while to, to adapt. But once... You got a run of games. You know, I loved it. John Dean was a terrific man, terrific manager. Um, I, I got on with him really well. And um, the, the lads themselves were a great group. You know, the likes of Honor, the likes of Graham Jones, um, Robbie. Um, all of those made me feel welcome very, very quickly. So, yeah. and, and I suppose, you know, scoring that goal against Colchester helps tight. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. And I think, just, just to close... The, the Man United uh, side of things off. The best player that you played with or trained with at Man United, who was that? And, uh, I mean, I'll say it from, and, and uh, I always say this in terms of with, with Paul Scholes, is Paul Scholes is the best player I've ever yeah. played with, uh, training or in a game. But, um, you know, there's so many, you know, like Giggsy, uh, what a player. Kino, what a player! You know, you can go through them all. The the, the reason that I say with, with Scolzi is always because when you look at Scolzi, you know, if you if you did a sixty meter sprint, he'd be last. If you did a twelve minute minute run, he'd be last because he had bad asthma. But you put him on a pitch, and there was something happened where he, it was like the matrix where everything slowed right him, and he he was able to receive the ball, do whatever he wanted to do, and. You know, his, his passing was unbelievable. The striking of a ball. You know, in the, the early day, days, he scored an awful lot of goals with with coming into the box and with headers. You know, he was he was really strong at heading the ball, even though he was small. Um, so that he would be the one that, because of maybe the physical attributes that he didn't have, and and to see just somebody that was born to play football. You know that was that that would be my reasoning, but you know I, I could talk about all of them. You know, but Keenan's yeah. leadership qualities. And, well, you know, so I could I could go go there for a day. <laughs> not necessarily uh, the best players you've played with because they came at your time at Wigan. Obviously, I mean, I'm not putting words into your mouth there at all, my pap. 
But uh, you, know, <laughs> you mentioned a few players there, obviously, Roberto Martinez. Um, we know what he's gone on to do. Uh, Graham Jones, David Lowe, Colin Greenall, uh, Andy Liddell, um, Dizou. There were some you know, fantastic players, weren't there? Uh, obviously, at the level that we were at. And a lot of them um, put us on the journey that, that Wigan were going on because, obviously, you'll have probably been sold Mr Whelan's dream of where he wanted to take the club when you uh, finally signed for Latics. What... Obviously, you started at, at Springfield Park and, and those um, ones in the lower leagues. What what was life like at Wigan then? Um, oh, look, I mean, as I said, it was very much, it was very similar to, to, to Manchester and, and Manchester United in terms of the fabric of the place. It was a lot of, what I said was I had five years at Manchester United and five years at Wigan. And they were similar in terms of the community feel. You know, for a big club like Manchester United, the, the, the gaffer had really, really worked on creating a community. So the admin, the, the players, no, nobody was any better than the rest. And that was that was the same at Wigan when it went. There was there was a terrific feel about it. Um and <clears throat> so the, the players made you feel welcome. The managers, you know, Mr <laughs> Mr. Whelan, the one thing about him is um if things weren't working, you know, uh, during that time, I think five years I had seven managers in that in that time. So um and and we were successful at you know during that time as well. It wasn't as if we were languishing near the bottom of the league. You know, we were we were doing fairly well, but you know, Mister Mister Whelan had his, his vision within that. But they were all they were all good managers. It was there was nobody that well. I suppose in the final season with with um, with Paul with Paul Jewell, there was not I wouldn't say a clash of personalities because I, I liked there was nothing personal in it. But um, the, the 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 actual managers within that time, you know, I always felt comfortable within that and I suppose the stability that it was given in the five years at Wigan was hugely important like so I, 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 so I, think, I think a lot of people yeah. said that about Paul Jewell as well it's 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 one of them he had a, a kind of particular style didn't he that he wanted and how he wanted things yeah. done um, yeah yeah and, and as I say there was nothing certainly nothing personal with with myself and, and Paul no. it was just sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so um. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well because uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You you played under Steve Bruce as well for a very you know for a short period. Uh, what was it like playing under a former someone you've trained with um, week in week out? What what was that like? Yeah, it was it was it was strange at first, um, but you know again very quickly you have to just adapt to it and get on with it and once you're in the training you're just focused so focused on training anyway and then playing matches so Brucey came in and did, did a great job and you know we thought it was for taking the, the job on and at that stage I had sort of agreed with him about a new contract so we, we had spoken about it and but um, then obviously he didn't take the job on Paul came in Paul had his own ways of thinking and his own way of doing things and which I totally understand from, from management. Um so Brucey I, I I thought he was a really good man manager. I thought he was he was terrific that way and um but obviously he moved on I think it was the Crystal Palace then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously came back and had a quite a very uh, successful spell 
second time around at Wigan. So before I hand over to Adam, who I know is itching to have a, a conversation um, with a Latics legend, a bit of trophy, a bit of a silverware came to um, back to Wigan, the Football League trophy down at Wembley. What was it like playing in that game? Um, we still sing about it on the terraces. Well, when we're allowed to be on the terraces, we sing about winning it uh, for the second time after the Freight Rover Trophy win. What was it like that game down at Wembley? Oh, look, I mean, it, it, it was terrific, to, you know, just the build-up to it. Um, it was something that, again, I always dreamed of doing, is, you know, to, to actually play at Wembley, it was, it, was, it was terrific. And the old Wembley, you know, as much as I see the new Wembley and the, 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 the amount of people that it can hold, there was still a lot of nostalgia with old Wembley and me growing up watching FA Cup finals and that. So the, the whole build-up was terrific, but... Again, once we got into the game, um, you know, as a footballer, you just have to concentrate on the game. It wasn't, it wasn't a particularly good game. I'm sure you, everybody would say that, but that was that wasn't important. What was important was when Paul Rogers and and Dodger will say himself, he wasn't renowned for goals, but um, you know, when he stepped up in the final minutes to, to score that, it was just a, a terrific feeling, you know. And afterwards was, um, ah, look, it's something that you only dream of. Well, you do, and it's weird, isn't it? You look at, obviously, the 99 final and the 2013 final. We were speaking off air that, you obviously, you were you were at uh, the FA Cup final. It's the unlikely winners, isn't it, who got you the games, like you say, Paul Rogers and, and Ben Watson, two unlikely players who were popping up and um, getting you the winners. I'm going to um, hand you over to Adam. Cheers, Simon. Just, just building on that, um, obviously, the final and... Um, did, did you you did you also play in the uh, playoff playoff final in two thousand as well? That, that's right. Yeah, playing the playoff final uh, against Gillingham, and it was you know there was a different feel to that one, especially you know going into the the, the extra time and all of a sudden you know you're two one up, and um, it was just a matter of trying to hold on. Sharpie had, had been sent off, and and you're, you're trying to hold on with ten men, so. Um, and, and that's the thing about football sometimes there's a momentum gains and, and you can sort of feel within that as well you're trying to, to hold on but look those, those are the ups and downs of football um, we we got to the, the, the semis on a couple of occasions so we played Man City where I have to say we're very unlucky within the two legs at Man City um, did not go to that final um, and Reading was the same so we're very unfortunate when it came to the you know the the playoffs in those those five years that it was there, um, but again, it, it, nobody can take away from the fact that you played at Wembley again. It was just you know it was heartbreaking when it came to being so close but yet so far away. Yeah, what what do you think? I mean, it was a it was a it was an era then where obviously we'd we'd uh, we'd won the championship, which was fantastic in '97 under under John Dean and. Being a Wigan fan for sort of like ten years, I'd pretty much only ever seen Laws until until obviously David Law uh, David Law came in and uh, players like that. You know, we, we we got to a point where we were really pushing on, and then we had our first consolidation season under uh, John Dean in um, in um, whatever Division Two, I think it was at the time. And then obviously from them, we signed some big name players, didn't we? You know, big money players like um, Simon Howarth came in and um, obviously Andy Liddell. And, and, and I think we got, I don't know why, how you felt about this, but I think we were pretty much the favourites every season. And, and that, fir- that first season at DW, when we didn't lose for 25 games as well, I think yeah. all, all it was a, a shoe in really that 
the quality of team that we had was going to get was going to get promoted and then kick on into the championship. You know, as, as players, did, did did you feel the pressure that 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 we were the kind of the favourites and expected to go up because of the money that that, that we'd spent, or, or can you push that out of your mind when when you're actually on the pitch? I, th- I think it's certainly certainly when you're on the pitch uh, that doesn't come in come in there, Adam, but. Um, there's there's that level of expectation. There's no doubt about that. And as you say, with the spending money and you know the likes of Michael O'Neill coming in as well, there you've you've a lot of lads that have, have did a lot of the game, um, and then it takes takes time for them to gel. Sometimes it can happen straight away. Sometimes it takes a while for you to learn, you know, to, to know their styles. And so there was a lot of people in, in terms of the playing staff and. And management staff as well, um, and I keep going back to stability, you know. And whether um, when when it comes to that, you know, the sometimes you need stability, um, and if if you had that, then you're seeing the same face within the management all the time. You're seeing the same faces, and you, you learn to trust each other as well. So I, I don't think there was there was much wrong, Adam, in terms of you know making that next step up. I think I, I said it before in terms of the even the league above. I don't think there was, you know, I I don't think there was really any difference between the top sides, top five or six sides up there in our division and the, the teams in sort of the bottom half of of the division above. It was just a kick of a ball sometimes, and and definitely we had a fair share of bad luck within the playoffs. Um, but sometimes you make your own luck, and and obviously Wigan have gone on and and. You know, they'd actually play in the Premier League. I think it was testimony to them. Absolutely. I mean, I can definitely echo that. We, we had some shocking luck, obviously. The hand of Galter and uh, did it cross the line in the Wembley final and then last-minute penalties at Reading. I mean, we, we had some shocking luck. Anything that could go against us did go against us. And, and I think that really is quite an interesting sort of bridge now is that sort of things like, you know, taking knockbacks and things like that. And um, I wanted, obviously, an important topic that we want to explore today um, is uh, mental health, really. And obviously, we'll go into the maybe a bit later the psychology side in terms of, uh, of football. But I, I just wanted to know sort of how kind of you know the great work that you're doing for mental health with the charity and how how that how that started. I've always I've always had an interest in. in a bit of education as well. My dad always said that a bit of education follows you. So whenever I was at Wigan Athletic, I actually was doing my physio degree for <clears throat> four of those years. So I um, was in at Salford and did that end of things. But when I came back home um, and, and, you know, uh, I've spoken before about, you know, my brother taking his own life in the first season that I went over to, to Manchester United. So, um Whenever that happened, it was obviously very difficult. But as I explained now, I probably parked the bus and went over and I was doing what I love doing. And, and, you know, I didn't have the triggers of back home. So whenever I did come back home and I did my physio degree, it it was too clinical for me. So I decided, you know, in a roundabout way, I did my coaching badges and then I've gone and did a a mental health and wellbeing diploma. So now I work in in that area. and, And so I set up. The, the the charity train to be smart, which promotes positive mental health through sport. Um, you know, it seems the objectives is more about the mental and emotional well-being of, of the kids and the vulnerable. Um, but I I feel that I'm doing something positive out of what was a very tragic situation and, and time. You know, with with Philip. So even if you're only helping one person, 
um, you know, within that mental health sphere. I think it's not about the numbers so much as, you know, the person. Um, so that's, that's where I've, I've got into that work now. And I was, I mean, I, I don't mind admitting when I first came back home and for a, probably for about 12 years, I, I just wasn't sure. I was stuck. I didn't know. I wasn't passionate enough about the physio, Adam. So this is, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And obviously my brother's death and, and what went on within it. But my, my, my brother's memory is the driver within it. Obviously at the moment as well, it's very, I think it's, clearly very difficult for everybody with sort of the mental health side of things at the moment because I think like one of the things you say about using sport, sport I guess gives you the structure doesn't it that you you, you kind of need and it what, what kind of things I mean obviously we are starting to get back to some level of sort of grassroots football but what do, what do you think, what advice would you give for people who are sort of, if you like, the missing sport, the missing that sort of structure, sort of what other things they can be doing really to try and replicate that as much as possible in, in difficult times? Yeah, I mean, and as much as like we're, we're obviously having this meeting over Zoom and, and I always say that, you know, it, it's not reality, it's virtual, you know, so it is, it, it, it's, it's, it's different, you know, but... Within that, I, we would talk, especially with the charity, and I would speak surrounding the five steps to well-being. You know, so it's things such as being active, um, you know, getting out for a walk or getting out and doing a little bit of activity. I know it's with these lockdowns and that, but it's there, there's still ways of doing activity, whether that's <clears throat> inside your house or even just out in the garden or whatever. Um, taking notice, so taking notice of all the good around. You know, that that's one thing I have to say over even the lockdown, the initial lockdown. Um, I was speaking to a very good friend and who's a mentor of mine and he, I said that, you know, what I noticed over the lockdown was I appreciated the things that I had rather than the things that I didn't. And I think, you know, people will, will resonate or a lot of people will resonate with that. So appreciate what you have as well. Um, learn new things. Whether it's, you know, picking up a guitar that you've had sitting for that length of time or whatever it is, then do things that will connect with people and, and we're obviously connecting virtually, but um, that, that's brilliant to be able to, to connect with people. So that all of that side of things, Adam, is <clears throat> during challenging times, you know, just remember that um, just learning something or, you know, doing something different, like maybe try and cook or doing something and, and I'm no great cook. <laughs> but just just trying something new is, is is hugely important as well. Don't just don't just remain still. Yeah. What what just no. just while we're on that subject, what 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 what's your speciality in terms of cooking? <laughs> what, 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 um, I would say it would, it would have to be maybe um, chicken fajitas or something like that. That would be as that would be as 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 good as it gets. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's a it's a few steps up on beans on toast. So I quite quite like. A, anyway so uh, yeah um, so obviously like it's been very difficult time for, for I guess for all football fans not being able to get to the grounds but obviously the situation at Wigan at the moment is obviously in, inherently difficult because of the obviously the uncertainty I'm just wondering like what when you first heard the news what, what were your thoughts uh, on, on Wigan going into administration oh no look I obviously was very disappointed about it you know I seen it straight away and you know when you've such an affinity for the club you know and I was there five years and um, you know during during great times and the, and the start of you know everything moving upwards uh, to then see 
you know, them going into administration, the club going into administration was was hugely disappointing. And you know, but from that again, the and I know there's still a lot of manoeuvring at the minute, uh, but to see the reaction of the supporters just just summed it up. You know, it, it summed it up, summed Wigan up for me um, in terms of that whole community end of things. Um, they were the ones that that drove, um, obviously the the. Uh, fundraising and also, you know, just just keeping the profile of the club going. Um, so that 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 just about summed up Wigan. The, the the administration thing that was a shock, but then to see all the good work that the supporters and and the people of Wigan put in it to, to make sure that it didn't um, fall by the wayside completely. Um, just about sums it up. Yeah, th- yeah, thanks for that. And obviously. Um... That's where we certainly had to get used to our tech skills because it makes it in a pandemic to try and kind of get that publicity. You know, we were doing sort of Zoom evenings and, uh, you know, just try, try to sort of boost, boost, keep it in the, you've got to keep it in the public eye, really. That's the, that's, yeah. that's the, uh, absolutely crucial. Uh, just going back to sort of the work that you've done, how, how did you feel when you got um, sort of the, uh, the, the award from the uh, Prime Minister? Was it in um, 2018, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I received that, and I just got a phone call to say that I was receiving a point of light. To be, to be honest, Adam, I don't do you know this mental health work because of you know for any awards. I've never I've never really been that type of person. But obviously, it was you know it was it was nice that somebody had highlighted the work that I did. I don't know it was that highlighted, and obviously getting you know the likes of Roy Keane and Alex Ferguson over to your local area. Um, where they wouldn't normally come to Lurgan. So, you know, they, these these people coming over have have highlighted it, and I suppose, at a, on a more, you know, worldwide platform, I suppose. But uh, it was it was very it was very nice to, to receive the accolade. But as I say, it's not something that um, I don't do the, the work that I do because of that. No, no, but I, I, mean, I, think, I think, though, the point you make, though, about, I mean, obviously, the great work that you do and, you know, obviously, sort of, we acknowledge it and it's fan, fantastic. But I, I guess as well, like you said, getting an award like that means that, it, it, you know, it's, keep, it's keeping everything, you know, public. It's giving it great publicity as well. So, you know, it, it, it's good when, when things like that actually occur. Um, what, what's, the next, what's the next step, you know, in terms of, I mean, is, is there, have you got any sort of, Sort of uh, any any anything's planned, you know, with the with with the, with the charity or you know in in the, in the coming months. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I started in two thousand and thirteen with trying to be smart, and I sort of I'd, I'd say that give myself a, a ten years to to get a facility and and uh, to have kids that were able to play and, and be active. So we we partnered locally with a with a school um, a, a primary school, Tullyalley. And their their pitch at the minute is a, an old gravel pitch. The kids can't even go out on that um, because you know it's too dangerous. So we're we're trying to, to raise funding and trying to, to get the money to, to put a three G surface on it that we can continue the work, um, both helping the school in terms of the mental health projects and, and and physical activity projects, but also then having a an identity of a pitch for our own teams because we have we have fourteen teams with trained to be smart at the minute ranging from under seven right through to under seventeen. So it's the 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 next part is, you know, is getting the, the, the funding to, to actually put a, 
uh, a pitch down and actually have an identity then of a, a, a pitch. Final thought. Um, having these having these chats and just, I suppose, again, reminiscing and thinking about, you know, all the great memories. I think that's another thing even surrounding mental health. You know, whenever you think of, of all of the things that Wigan have achieved and that I was part of that and all the all the people that have met and, you know, as I say, it's not just the, 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 the players, but it's the supporters and the admin staff and all of those Um it, it, it gives you a it gives you a feel good factor. So sometimes it's it's worth people thinking back to all the, the good things that that have happened, especially the Wigan supporters. So that's yeah. that would be my final my, my Absolutely, final yeah. And, and and what I would say is probably those great achievements have given me my greatest uh, nights out ever in, in Wigan, uh, as well as doing well for Wigan Athletic. I'm sure the local economy was very thankful as well in terms of the pubs and the clubs of Wigan after those <laughs> after those yeah. achievements. The economy, yeah, the economy definitely did well. So I'll let the Simon, our horse, uh, have the final words. But thanks very much, Pat. No, great to speak to you, Adam. Well, uh, thank you, Adam, for that. And Pat, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to come on today, talking to us about your career and about the charity, what you're doing. We will link all the the, uh, charity stuff in so people can go and have a look. But thank you for taking your time. Thank you for your, your service at Wigan as well, giving, like Adam said, us some great memories and some great times. And good luck with everything in the future. Brilliant. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for the interview. Um, so, look, as, as I say, a brilliant time at Wigan. And it's something I'll always cherish and I'll always go back at some stage. Thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. Okay, okay. thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Goodbye.